Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. In late August, it appeared that the United States was very close to an agreement with the Taliban that would see U.S. troops withdraw from Afghanistan. Leading the negotiations on the U.S. side was Zalmay Khalilzad, a widely respected former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations who was an immigrant to the U.S. from Afghanistan. He also served as U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan shortly after the fall of the Taliban. Significantly, these negotiations did not include the Afghan government. Rather, there were direct negotiations between Zalmay Khalilzad and his team and the Taliban. By early September, it looked as if the two sides had reached a deal. Then, on September 7th, Donald Trump appeared to upend the deal in a tweet suggesting that a planned meeting between the U.S. and Taliban at Camp David had been canceled, apparently ending these talks. But then, days later, he fired National Security Advisor John Bolton, who had largely opposed negotiating with the Taliban in the first place. So where does this leave the peace process and negotiations for a U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan? And what happens next? On the line to discuss these questions and more is Daniel Serwer. He is a professor of conflict management and American foreign policy at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Study and a scholar at the Middle East Institute. Daniel Serwer has had a long career in and out of government, participating in peace talks and peace-building efforts around the world, including in Afghanistan. We kick off discussing just what Zalmay Khalilzad was negotiating with the Taliban before having a longer conversation about how those talks broke down and what comes next. If you have 20 minutes and want to get up to speed on U.S. diplomacy towards Afghanistan, do have a listen to this episode. You will find it very useful. So Zalmay Khalilzad is someone I've always found really interesting. Uh, he took over the job of U.S. ambassador to the United Nations after John Bolton in the George W. Bush administration. Prior to that, he served as U.S. ambassador to Iraq and to Afghanistan, also during the George W. Bush administration. And a few years ago, I had him on the podcast to discuss his life and career and how his own immigrant experience uh, shaped his perspective on the world. And we had a very thoughtful conversation that alternated between sort of wonky discussions about foreign policy issues to his own reflections on his life and career. And uh, that episode is now available to premium subscribers to the show. To access that conversation and dozens of other episodes I've posted for premium subscribers, go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the uh, support the show link or go directly to patreon.com slash globaldispatches. You'll unlock bonus episodes and also gain access to my daily news clip service. I will even mail you a sticker in the mail. Thank you. All right, now here is my conversation with Professor Daniel Serwer. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? 
Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. My understanding was, is that uh, Zahavizad was negotiating essentially American withdrawal from Afghanistan. But of course, in leaving, they don't want to make room for al-Qaeda. They uh, are prepared to see the Taliban control parts of Afghanistan and maybe even expand their control in Afghanistan. But what they want is for the Taliban not to allow international terrorists to operate from that territory. So that's the what people in my profession call the, the, the formula. The formula was uh, we get to withdraw troops, which is something you, the Taliban, want, but you, the Taliban, have to guarantee that there won't be international terrorists operating from the territory that you control. In addition, I mean, that clearly is not the full settlement of, uh, of the war. Uh, and of course, the government in Kabul has to have some sort of input into this process. Mm -hmm. And the idea the Americans had was that the Taliban would have to also concede to talk with the Kabul government, which so far they have refused to do, and about some sort of governing arrangements uh, after uh, whatever withdrawal was decided. And, and it's important probably to emphasize that the United States under Zalmay Khalilzad was negotiating, you know, directly with the Taliban. Most of these negotiations, to my understanding, were happening in Qatar, um, but they were not uh, including the government of Afghanistan. Uh, that's correct. They were, they, and they were occurring in Doha for the most part, uh, though it's in the nature of these things that they occur also many other places as well. Uh, you know, I think the basic concept was uh, was to get the Americans as much out of there as possible, because that's what uh, President Trump wants. He wants to be able to go to the next election and say, I've gotten America, I've brought the troops home. He can't say that entirely for Syria. He can't say it entirely for any place, really. And he was hoping to be able to say it for Afghanistan. But the, the agreement that was negotiated still secret, and to my knowledge, hasn't really leaked. But, but there are pretty good indications that the withdrawal was only a partial withdrawal down to levels that existed actually at the beginning of, of Trump's term. So the Americans uh, weren't withdrawing all that much. And uh, frankly, the Taliban uh, did pretty well in this negotiation because uh, they were giving a fairly vague promise in exchange. 
And and so, you know, the, the idea was that the U.S. would negotiate directly with the Taliban, then lean on the Afghan government and eventually, like, twist their arm to accept it, this agreement, which they probably wouldn't want to accept. Um, right. with, it, yeah. that, that, that's exactly right. Uh, but I must say, I think I think that, you know, that even happened before the Americans went to talk with the Taliban. I think they told uh, the Kabul government, they told Ashraf Ghani, look, we got to get out of here. You're going to have to uh, put up with that and you're going to have to negotiate with the Taliban after we're finished. Um, So so that was the the idea. And of course, there is a domestic political context in Afghanistan as well, in which Ashraf Ghani is up for uh, election at the end of September. Uh, But, you know, there's no real indication that he's facing a, a serious challenge. Is that right? That's my understanding. Uh, though I, I hasten to add that, you know, you don't really know the outcome of elections before they happen, especially in a place where polling would be so difficult. And um, But let's, let's assume that that's correct. Uh, I see him showing no particular anxiety, though I think it's generally uh, accepted that the election will go to a second round because he won't get over 50% in the first round. But uh, if he does, that makes it much easier for him. If he doesn't, uh, a second round has to be held a few weeks later. Um, So the negotiations seem to be proceeding well uh, in in terms of there there seemed to be, at least on the cusp of an agreement, there's been a a lot of reporting uh, late last week. We're speaking on on Wednesday, September 11th, um, to suggest that we were very close to a deal. Um, Even at the beginning of this week, it seemed we were very close to a deal. Uh, Then everything went wrong and went bad. Can you explain to the best of of our knowledge, what do we know about the the sort of TikTok of how this incipient deal seemed to have sort of fallen apart? Well, as best that I can determine, uh, somebody in Washington wasn't happy with what Zal had concluded with the Taliban. And this someone could have been John Bolton. It could have been John Bolton. It may have been the president. Uh, but somebody wasn't happy. It may have been the Pentagon as well. Uh, at that point, uh, the president appears to have put forward the proposition that he would deal with this as a closer with a meet, at a meeting in, in, at Camp David. Uh, and that the Taliban would actually come to Camp David uh, a few days before 9-1-1, and, uh, and he would uh, uh, make the final deal there. Uh, there were a lot of things really wrong with this idea. First of all, bringing the Taliban to, to uh, Camp David a few days before 9-1-1 is truly terrible symbolism. Uh, Secondly, uh, the Taliban seemed to have thought that they had a final deal with Zal and weren't interested in conceding anything and hadn't agreed to come to Camp David. A minor point. The president seems to have canceled a meeting that had never been agreed by the Taliban. 
that's a rather peculiar, and that had been opposed by John Bolton. So he canceled the meeting John Bolton didn't want to have happen and then fired John Bolton. So Bolton won that battle, but he lost the war. And, you know, so so Trump as well issued some pretty, you know, harsh statements saying, you know, that talks are, are dead. Um, but are they, you know, is Zal Khalilzad right now still trying to negotiate with the Taliban to the best of our, our knowledge? Well, uh, if we've heard a peep out of Zal so far, I haven't noticed it. Uh, I think there's every indication that he will hope to revive this thing. You'll know that he can't do that when he quits. Uh, if he doesn't quit, it probably means he's still trying. Uh, can it be done? Well, sure, there's a possibility of reviving it because the president is extremely erratic and changes his mind about things all the time. He's gotten rid of the, one of the principal people opposed to this deal. So in a way, he's made it easier for himself to go along with it. But I don't think there's any reason to think that the Taliban will uh, make some grand concessions uh, to Trump, even if they came to Camp David. Uh, what the president appears to be doing is ramping up the air attacks against the Taliban. And uh, what that means is a return to war, which is what happens when negotiations fail. And it means uh, a sharp increase in civilian casualties, which is not just unfortunate, but really, really a bad idea. And, you know, I know we're sort of talking about events almost in, in real time here, but it does seem that over the last few days, according to several news reports, there has been uh, an increase in Taliban uh, attacks, uh, you know, as well as an increase in, in you know, Sarah strikes. So your, um, you know, your, your determination that, you know, failure of negotiations leads to increase in war seems to be playing out so far. Um, I guess it's like, very unusual, yeah. by the way. Let's go back uh, just one one step. It's. It's pretty unusual to negotiate a deal of this sort without a ceasefire in place. And uh, I think you have to really wonder whether uh, that was wise. Mm. So w why is that? Typically, I know you've been involved well, typically, in a lot of peace I mean, deals over the it, years. It, yeah. Typically, you know, you, you, you do ceasefire first because... You, what you're trying to do is end the war. If there's enough confidence to go to a negotiating table, then it should be enough confidence that, to have a ceasefire. Usually there might be an exchange of prisoners as well as a token of, of mutual confidence. Uh, that's the more normal pattern, I think, uh, to negotiate while the violence continues uh, it, it subjects you to this very real possibility that an act of violence will disrupt the negotiations. Now, in this particular case, I don't believe at all the, the story that uh, the president did this because of the one American who was killed. I mean, more than a dozen Americans have been killed during these negotiations, and we decided to continue them. So I don't think there's any truth in, in the idea that uh, he was motivated by that death. 
but I do think it, it it's it's very sketchy. It seems to me to be negotiating something of these dimensions without a ceasefire in place. So uh, another criticism of these negotiations, which I think is is pretty fair, um, is that you know these negotiations, as you articulated earlier, were all about getting U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. They were not about preserving um, sort of any democratic gains that might have been won over the last, um, you know, 18 years in Afghanistan. So, and, and I think this has been reflected in some criticisms of the negotiations that there are no, no women at the table and that the negotiations uh, um, exclude specifically the uh, Afghan government and sort of would would enable like a further Taliban Afghan government negotiation at some later later date. Um, you know, as someone who's had such you know a long, long career, you know, in peace building and in these kinds of negotiations, um, other than sort of the the fact that there's no ceasefire, is the fact that all these other issues are not on the table something that might sort of doom the eventual durability of this kind of peace negotiation. Sure. I mean, you know, something vaguely analogous happened in Vietnam when the Americans negotiated their withdrawal and eventually uh, uh, the South Vietnamese government collapsed. Uh, it collapsed so partly because the American Congress cut off, uh, cut off a lot of assistance. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this could certainly end up uh, not ending the war uh, if the I don't think most people believe that the Taliban will ever reoccupy Kabul but there's a very real possibility that uh, there would be uh, chaos destabilization even a civil war among the non-Taliban forces uh, in Afghanistan after American withdrawal. I guess looking uh, forward to the next weeks and, and months, I mean, you suggested earlier that one key indicator of how these things might proceed is whether or not Zalmay Khalilzad resigns or whether or not he continues to try to you know work behind the scenes with the, with the Taliban. Uh, is there anything else that would suggest to you, you know, how the prospects for, a negotiation or a deal between the United States and, and Taliban are are likely or not in the coming you know weeks and months. Like, what indicators would you be looking for? It's a good question. Um, difficult to predict. I think the president uh, very much uh, is looking for some big international triumph prior to the pre-election period. And so I think, uh, I think what you may see is, um, what shall I say, more, more patience from this president than you anticipate, because what he's looking for is a TV spectacle that will help to sell the notion that he's been good uh, for America and America's role in the world. There's, 
so far in this administration, really zero evidence of that. There's been a failure of negotiations with the North Koreans, failure to get the Iranians back to the negotiating table, uh, failure to be able to deal uh, positive, in a positive way with the Russians, as the president would have liked to have done. So there's been nothing but uh, failure in international affairs with this uh, administration. Uh, its proudest achievement is getting Mexico to cut off uh, the flow of immigrants from Guatemala. I mean, that, that's not that's not enough to sell you as a as a major figure in this world. And the China trade negotiations, of course, are failing as well. So I think the president is looking for a success, and I think you may find him much more patient and much more willing to uh, to give in to whatever the Taliban want than than might otherwise be the case. Uh, well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. This is very helpful. You're welcome. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Daniel Serwer. He is someone whose work I have followed for many years and I'm glad to have been able to catch up with him on this particular issue. Uh, and another encouragement of you to become a premium subscriber to access that great Zalme Khalilzad episode. I've actually interviewed him twice. Once was on stage in front of a live audience uh, just the day uh, before Trump's inauguration. That was in interesting conversation we had uh, backstage before the the show began but uh, it was all off the record so i can't divulge it but it was interesting um in any case do become a premium subscriber uh you will help me you will access great content and uh you'll be doing the world a favor all right thank you 